Coming to you from the HagmanReport.com studio. Located in the Keystone State, birthplace of a mighty nation, it's your host, Doug Hagman. This is the Hagman Report, where truth can't be silenced. Never, never before has that been more important, that phrase, truth can't be silenced. That's right. HagmanReportLive.com, video, audio. HagmanReportLive.com, bookmark that. HagmanReportLive.com, bookmark that for video and audio. HagmanReport.com for print. Bookmark that. And, And bookmark the following and do something for me, please. Go to HagmanStore.com. That's HagmanStore.com. HagmanStore.com. There you're going to find an array of coffees. And this is not any coffee. This is this is um, gourmet coffee. That, seriously, I selected, hand-selected, the actual bean blend for the coffees. Um I, I drank more coffee in that during that selection process than I I think I had in my entire EMS career. Uh, let me tell you something: first responder career, and that was a lot back then. But anyway, uh, to get the taste just right, HagmanStore.com, HagmanStore.com. There you can find three different types of coffee. You've got Detective's Choice, which, which is a hyper caffeinated coffee. Uh, that, that was tweaked a little bit, actually. We tweaked that a little bit. Uh, I, I, I was something about. I just wanted to make a little tweak, and um, the roaster accommodated me. What a great roaster he is, and uh, they are actually, and uh, it, it turned out very, very well. So you get you've got Detective's Choice, hyper caffeinated, and whole bean ground and K cups, as well as Patriot and Revolution blends, all basically all dark coffees, but they're gourmet coffees and they're expensive. You're going to be paying more for them. You know why? Because proceeds, partial, much of our proceeds go to support Craig Sawyer, Vets for Child Rescue, and Russ Dizdar, S-I-I-U, his team working on the ground, boots on the ground. Both are extremely active boots on the ground organizations Above reproach, and uh, not some, not some wild, uh, wild ass. Uh, hey, I turned that. I, hang on a second here. Or Eric and I are going to be wrestling. I turned that down. All right. Now, when when I come back on on air, you guys look at look at me, and you're gonna you're gonna see a different um, skin tone. Okay. Eric coming over here and adjusting the lights. Yeah, see, it, it, it looked better before. Now and, you're not in a dungeon anymore. Oh, man. Okay, it, it's called burning my burning through my retinas. Um, all right, so there you go, hagmanstore.com, folks. Definitely do that. And and by the way, it's, you know, on the internet, you'll see people saying, well, the, the 2,100 uh, children rescued from tunnels. What a bunch of crap. What a bunch of BS. These people are, in my view, are morons, okay? And I'll probably get sued for... Uh, calling people, well, you know, I didn't mention any names. They're, they're, anyone who says that, in my view, is a moron who believes that. Um, boots on the ground, uh, actual child rescue, this is vets for child rescue, and uh, um, Russ Dizdar for the uh, 
more spiritual approach to things, but very much into, he's got a team that goes into uh, places and uh, rescues children. All right. If it's Monday, it's Monday with John Moore. John Moore is one of the more popular guests. We had a Patreon meeting yesterday, last night, folks. Patreon, if you support it, uh, this platform on Patreon, once a month we have meetings. And uh, we, we got talking about people. We got gossip. No, we didn't. Go- I'm kidding. We are talking about John Moore, just briefly, but nonetheless, everyone says, ah, oh, yeah, John Moore what is great, man. It's great. The show's great. Okay, Eric came back and has reason. See, I was right, wasn't I? Yeah. Uh, no, he said. But seriously, people love John Moore. And uh, if you go to thelibertyman.com, the web presence for John, Mr. John Moore, uh, there it is, thelibertyman.com. That's thelibertyman.com. Bookmark that website too and check it frequently, aside from updates about his, about his British uh, sports car. You'll find very important news. Well, that's important too. Because you know the wheels on my Bentley that go round and round. I've got a, I've got, a, I've got a good new tires for my Bentley. You have spinners. <laughs> I got spinners, but no Bentley. All right, uh, but no, it's uh, John is a uh, John's got a radio program too, folks. Three hours a day, five days a week, and he's got tremendous guests on, and uh, he's just he's just a good guy. He knows what's happening. The last time we spoke, and we didn't have President Trump in the hospital from reportedly down from the coronavirus. By the way, real quick, John, I'll tell you this, and folks, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I was talking with, well, I got a message. I shouldn't say that. I, was, I got a message from someone who's been on this program, and uh, this was through a third party from this person. Thank you, Kevin. We said, look. Can't tell you how I know this. Can't tell you what's going on, but President Trump is doing very, very well at this moment in time. Roll clip one, and then we'll bring John on. John, and, and have a look at this, folks. Have a look at this. Uh, this one, this sent the, the the lunatic left into a tizzy when President Trump decided. Well, wait a second. Let's have a little. You know, there's so many people out there outside of Walter Reed wishing me well, praying for me and, you know, rallying on my behalf. Can you take me around, you know? Can you take me just down there so I can see him and wave to him? And that drove the, the lunatic left uh, batty. It just drove him bad. You should you should read the Oh, my goodness. They, they, they want this guy dead. Can you play that real quick? And then we'll, yeah, number one. It's only, it's just a very, very brief video. Wait. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. It's it's mark number one. Hang on, John. It's mark number one. So yeah, go ahead. I guess just uh, maybe I was thinking just play that for for a moment and we'll pause it and then we'll bring. Go ahead, John. All right, come on, John. Come on board. How you doing, man? Good to be here, Doug. Oh man, it's uh, it's good to have you. So, I'll tell you what. Uh, since I screwed up apparently my videos and stuff, there's some good video out there of President Trump in the uh, backseat of looks the like the beast. Yeah, 
waving to his uh, supporters. Of course, he was uh, tested positive for uh, coronavirus since we last spoke, and that was last uh, Friday. And there's all sorts of BS about, well, he was diagnosed on Wednesday, and he put everyone at risk. He should be arrested for you know attempt or uh, uh, homicide and mass murder and war crimes, crimes against humanity. He should be arrested because he's ugly and is orange, orange man bad. It's crazy. So anyway. <laughs> well, there, there's we had limited time to talk before the show, but uh, something I consider really big good news is Tom Fitton, the uh, director of uh, Judicial Watch, has been appointed by President Trump to be on a commission that's going to, to help decide whether judges should be removed from their positions, federal judges. Really? I think it's, oh, yes. It's big news. Um, I didn't I have get a that personal, memo. I have a personal connection to the uh, Judicial Watch. The summer of 2001, I was being recruited to be the office manager of their new St. Louis office. Um, and, of course, uh, the 9-11-01 cut down their uh, donations, and they decided not to open a St. Louis office. But uh, it was an interesting uh, process to go through that interview process. Tom, Judicial Watch for dec for many years has been the real bulldog going after anybody who is corrupt in government, regardless of their uh, political affiliation. That's their reputation, which is well-deserved, by the way, very well-deserved. And uh, Tom Fitton being put in this position, I think, is a really good news. It, it shows that uh, President Trump is doing the right things for the right reasons. And you want to make the uh, left go crazy. This is one of the things that will make them go crazy to know that they'll be losing their socialist communist judges that have helped them along the way for so many decades. It's very good news, Doug. It's, it's great news. Tom Fitton is the most, in my view, anyway, the most qualified. Um, it blows my mind, John, it blows my mind when, when you hear judicial watch going to court and uh, going after records, whether it be from Benghazi or from uh, Russia, you know, the Russia hoax spy gate. It blows my mind right. to hear that he's actually fighting against current lawyers within the Trump administration. He's, he's fighting them. The, the, the lawyers under in the Trump administration are fighting against Tom Fitton to get right. the right. records. What I mean, does that even make sense? Um, well, uh, I, I expect Mr. Fitton will soon have a class A pass for the White House. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, <laughs> and, I'm and, be, and be walking and be walking past the workstations of some of these lawyers who oppose him, um, maybe saying hi to him. <laughs> That's how ironic is that? Okay, so just to be clear, Tom Fitton was appointed uh, to, uh, to not not what would you call it? Not to vet, but to. Well, uh, I, I would call it, I suppose. Uh, well, there's a, I'm sure there's a name for it, which um, I don't necessarily know what it is, but it's a commission of some sort to help decide which judges need to be removed because of their improper conduct. Okay. Uh, that's the nature of the, of the position. All right. All right. So, so now these judges are appointed by, by the chief or by the executive branch, by the executive office, by President right. Trump and right. other people. Okay. So. And confirmed yeah. by the Senate. All right. Right. So, and. If I recall, they can be removed for cause, right? Or is there for cause, right? Or right. no for cause. cause, or it's not easy to, to remove a, a federal judge from his or her position is not easy at all. Uh, and there's a, I think what President Trump is doing is making that process of judge removal be more formalized, so that 
uh, it can take place in a more formal, uh, disciplined manner than what's happened in the past, which hasn't been very much, by the way. Um, it's quite rare for a federal judge to be removed from their position. But it's clear, especially in the Ninth Circuit, that that really needs to happen in many cases. And it looks like it will be moving forward in, in that manner. Well, I do know that President Trump had uh, drastically changed the complexion of the Ninth uh, Circuit. Um, am I wrong on that, or am I right? Because yes. Uh, the, no, the, uh, the Ninth Circuit has changed dramatically. I don't know that you would call it a, a uh, neutral court yet, but uh, it's headed that way, right? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Wow, that's, that's, that's good. I like that. That's that's good. So, when does this take uh, take effect? Because right now we're in flux. Of, of course, uh, we're twenty. As you mentioned, we're twenty nine days away, or twenty eight days, whatever it is, four weeks from tomorrow, from a um, the general election. Right. Um, well, here's an article on on Politico. This headline says Trump plans to name conservative activist Tom Fitton to court oversight agency, and it's, here's the name of the outfit. The Commission on Judicial Disabilities and Tenure. That's the agency that he'll be appointed to. Wow. Okay. I didn't even know such an agency existed. Well, it's not the kind of agency that would make any headlines. and would be kind of in the background doing whatever it is they do. Um, so that's a, it's, a real, it's a real good thing. And there's a, a graphic of uh, Tom actually wearing a coat and tie, which... He likes to be videotaped wearing a uh, Banlon shirt or, you know, some similar. Um, That's going back a ways, by the way, Banlon shirts. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, no, I, I, our, I know. Our, audiences, our audiences know what a Banlon, is all old enough to know what a Banlon shirt is. Uh, a, a casual shirt, a short sleeve casual right, shirt. Right, um, So, yes. Anyway, uh, it's a good thing. And uh, it shows that President Trump is hard at it to have a legacy uh, that will survive after he's gone. Um, and it, it, what's, what takes place four weeks from tomorrow is going to make us wonder very quickly who's going to take President Trump's place, isn't it? I'm four sorry, years from now. Four years from now. Four years from now. Yeah. All right. Um, wow. A lot of spe- a lot, there's been speculation about that for a while. Um, and who's and who's also qualified? There's several people mentioned who don't meet the constitutional qualifications, but um, I think Ted Cruz is one of. Them. Doesn't he have a a uh, parent who was a Canadian national? I believe. Yes, I I I, I think constitutionally, I think uh, Cruz is ineligible. Um, right. He's not a natural, by definition, not a natural born citizen. Uh, others as well. well, well he doesn't wear bandline shirts. <laughs> doesn't wear Ben on shirts either. <laughs> well, the, um, yeah. let's talk about that a bit because a lot of people don't understand because uh, this was big news with Hussein Obama, the difference between a citizen and a natural-born citizen. Uh, what the founding fathers did not want and what they were attempting to do when I put it, the words natural-born citizen in there, they did not want a president with, with split loyalties, dual loyalties. Now, uh, my great-grandfather came from Ireland. I, I have no uh, strong connection to Ireland. I have uh, an affinity for the Irish people and their culture because of my heritage, but I don't really have a split loyalty. Uh, if, however, 
my my father instead of my grand my instead of my great grandfather is what I meant to say. If my father had been born in Ireland, I would probably have a much stronger affinity for the Irish people and their culture and their country, and I would be in fact a dual national if my father was Irish. A dual a natural born citizen has to have the following: born on American soil, and two parents who are both American citizens at the time of birth. If you have those things, then you're a natural-born citizen. If you don't, then you're not. You can be born on American soil and not be a natural-born citizen, which is why the whole Hawaiian uh, birth certificate really doesn't matter because Hussein Obama, his father, his father of record, was a citizen of Kenya, which means by definition Hussein Obama is not and cannot, can never be a natural-born citizen. And he could, and here's the thing about a, a, a dual, he could be a dual national. Uh, Hussein Obama could, if he chose to, have a British passport because Kenya was part of the British Empire at the time that uh, Hussein Obama was born. Uh, yes. So he's, he's by definition a dual national. Anybody who can have, even if they don't have one, if they can have a, a second passport because of their citizenship, they're, they're obviously a dual national. Yes, and I remember Ted this. Cruz yes, probably have. Go right, ahead. Ted Cruz could have a Canadian passport. Right, he's a dual national. Right, he probably doesn't have one, but he could. He could if he chose to. People aren't aren't paying attention to this, John. I mean, people aren't. aren't well, they aren't, and we the whole country's been snookered. Right, you know, both. I don't know why the Democratic National Convention Committee did not make. An issue of this. It should have been. It should have been something for the Department of Justice to look into. How in the world can somebody not qualified under the Constitution be uh, the President of the United States? Uh, of course, the Department of Justice was quickly taken over by Obama, so that wasn't going to happen, was it? No, and we're still feeling the effects of that, as I mentioned before when we were talking about Tom Fitton. The fact that you know you've got uh, Department of Justice lawyers going against Tom Fitton's organization, Judicial Watch for Transparency of Records, and and that's what's happening right now, and it's still so this could be corrected, and I suspect will be, um, in, in some form. But the swamp to, to me, the rot is so deep, and in, in the deep state. When they say deep state, they mean deep state. It's it's deep, oh yes, you know, uh, it's entrenched here. So yeah, you're exactly right. It's uh, generational. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, a lady, one of my neighbors, she recently retired, I'd say about eight or 10 years ago from Washington, D.C., where she spent her adult life uh, as a clerical worker for the federal government. She went there during the Eisenhower administration, Doug. Think about that. Now, that's not unusual. That's common for young men and women that go there when they're fresh out of college, 22 years old, and they never leave. They just never leave. And these presidents come and go, and and the deep state looks at these presidents as temp as high, as temps. That's all they look at them as. The real the real deep state are the uh, the GS workers, the GS fives through GS whatever the, however high it goes. What is the highest GS rating? Is it sixteen? Uh, I, I, don't I don't know. It's fourteen, double, sixteen. Double well, it doesn't matter. But but that's who really runs the country is these men and women with GS ratings uh, that, that stay there for decade after decade. After decades, so look at this one, my neighbor. She was there in the fifties during Eisenhower, then Kennedy, and then Johnson, and on and all those presidents for all those decades. They came and they went 
but she never did. And her, her co-workers, tens of thousands of them, never left either. Um, that's the real deep state. Right. It's not necessarily it's not necessarily nefarious or bad, but they are thoroughly entrenched, and they know how things run because they're the ones that run it. Well, we're we're, we're talking about the SES, right? The uh, that's an acronym for uh, Senior Executive Service, I believe. Am right. I am I correct in that? Yeah, I think so. So I, I mean, among other among others. It's very difficult to get extracted from your position. It's almost like having tenure in the government, if there was such a thing. Um, but you, well, that brings up right. an interesting point. Uh, Go ahead. The, uh, when Department of Homeland Security was created, the, all these all these agencies in the federal government they looked at it as a golden opportunity to do the following. And you're absolutely right, Doug. Uh, firing somebody who's not performing their job in a federal agency is almost impossible. When DHS came up, the Department of Homeland Security, the heads of these other agencies said, now we have a, a way that we can get rid of the deadwood, the ones who don't perform, the ones who don't work, and we'll promote them out of where, whatever agency we might be to the Department of Homeland Security, which is why for the first several years of DHS's uh, existence, they were pr basically non-functional because they were populated left to right, top to bottom, with all the deadwood from all the other federal agencies who wanted to get rid of them and could find no other way to do so. That's reality, Doug. <laughs> you know, you mentioned uh, DHS. I I, uh, I know Tom Ridge. Well, when I say know him, I, it's, I, I've, I've, I've actually, I was actually, uh, back when he was an attorney uh, in, in the, in the DA's office here, I just lost my earpiece. When he was in the DA's office here, I had some uh, business dealings with him. That was, my goodness, back a number of years ago. And I got to know his brother, David Ridge. And uh, from where I sit right now, when he was governor, his house, well, when he was elected governor, his house is probably only, I don't know, maybe a mile away from where I sit right now. Um, I said all that to say that, that I, I look at, Tom Ridge is intelligent, but he's the kind of guy that would say, you know, if he's friends with, for example, George Bush, and he, he was and is, he's the kind of guy that would just go along with anything. You know, he, he, uh, Tom, you, you, what do you want, or uh, hey, uh, George, what, you know, what, do, what, do, what, what, what should I do here? You know, how do you want this laid out? And he, he, he's loyal to that in that respect. Now, that's not like, to me, that's not a good thing when it comes to DHS, and, and it's also saying too, because he recently came out and spoke against President Trump. Trump uh, wrote, 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 a, wrote a column against uh, President Trump, which I just despise. I despise the man at this point because of his disloyalty to the country. I suppose is, I guess, is what I'm saying. So, well, I'm, I'm disappointed to hear that. Um, but has there been any DHS leader who's been there more than 12 or 14 months? No, I mean, and, and let me seriously. ask you, why is that, though? Why? Well, I got my own speculation. Um, as I would say to you, if I was, on, uh, if I was under oath, I would say, Counselor, do you want my sworn speculation? Um, yeah, and <laughs> I, 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 you know, I want you I have your done sworn that. speculation. I have done that, actually. Uh, your, your, Counselor, do you want my for, sworn speculation? Uh, my speculation is, uh, these men and women, they get appointed to this position, head of DHS. It takes 
probably three to six months for them to find out what's really going on with DHS. And they put up with it for another three to six months, and they finally they turn in their resignation. I'm, I'm out of here. I can't be part of this anymore. Uh, I that's my speculation, and I don't know the I don't know the real deal. But okay, so so using that speculation, and and I I can't say that I disagree with you on this. So using that speculation, why don't they come out and, and tell the American public, look, we're you know this is not a good thing. We're screwed, uh, or we're getting screwed. Um, are are they sworn to secrecy? Or I mean, is there? Well, there's, there's, well, you and I both signed multiple NDAs right uh, over the over the years. Uh, NDA is a non disclosure agreement, and um, at that level, you know, we're not talking about a uh, a patent for a, a popcorn making machine. Uh, NDAs at that uh, level are taken very seriously, and you really you know, violating them uh, is a serious matter, and, and uh, it's. Not very frequently done. Yeah, uh, you know, on some of mine, and I'm sure just like you, you know, the the, the last paragraph or the uh, uh, the contractual paragraph that if you violate this, you know, here's the, here are the penalties, and, and you're looking right. at a long right. time in jail, a long time. Right, right. Well, NDAs can be anything from national security to the patent on a popcorn making machine. Right. Uh, but yeah, they can be very severe, and uh, it's nothing to be taken lightly. Plus, the fact that if you do go public, what difference will it make? You, you're you're putting your freedom at risk, your your family's financial wherewithal at risk. For what reason? You know, what 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 would change because you've gone public with the uh, true horror of what DHS is doing or not doing. Well, okay. Uh, so you're saying it wouldn't change anything. For example, um, I, I won't use the example of Tom Ridge because I just, I just won't. Uh, whoever the, the latest one is to leave, um, you're saying that if, if that person went public and said, look, here's, here's what's really happening. And of course, in violation of any NDA and any national security letter, whatever it might be, you're saying it wouldn't change, well, it, make a difference. To, um, I've had to deal with this personally for quite a few years. Um, in the summer of 2017, I was awarded the Prague Peace Prize in Prague, Czech Republic, for my work on violent climate change, uh, which has nothing to do with human activity. It has to do with um, natural events. And the sponsor of the Park Peace Prize, uh, who's a retired psychiatrist, she said, John, once you found out, and this was, goes back to about 2000, 2000, about year 2000, 20 years ago, John, once you found out what would be happening in the future, and you found out the federal government was not going to warn people, what did you do? Well, I said the following. I said, I said, uh, I said doctor, um, at first I was really upset that our government was not going to warn our, our own people. And I felt that way for a number of years. However, I came to a, a, a realization that the place where 350 million people can be safe is not, does not exist and is not going to exist in the known safe havens of um, the Arkansas, Missouri, Ozarks, and one or two other places. Uh, and that's reality. So the point being, why would you warn people who are going to die anyway to condemn them to an earlier miserable life of starvation and death when they can have a normal life for years into the future? 
And uh, they will finally die because of these events. But in the meantime, they can live a somewhat normal life. As much as I don't like that conclusion, I've come to agree with it, Doug. And that's part of what these men and women learn when they're the head of DHS. They learn what's coming at us in terms of violent climate change. Of course, the government has been working on these matters for decades, since 1979, getting ready for the violently rising ocean levels, violent climate change, the, the country being split into north-south at the um, Mississippi River, River Valley, and so forth. So the, these heads of DHS, they may, they may agree with that premise. Why upset people and condemn them to an early miserable death when they can have normalcy for months, maybe years longer. So they may just go along with the program for that reason. I'm not, okay. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, John, this is not to disagree with you. I'm not, I'm not sure it's an equal, um, uh, it's, I'm not sure that example is equal to DHS. In other words, um, I, I, I understand what you're saying with respect to, you know, violent climate change. Okay. I, I understand that, but putting that aside, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, well, wait a second, because there's nothing that we can, there's really nothing that can be done about that. If I, if no. I understand that correctly, right? Yeah. You said no. So, well, that's part of the Al, Al Gore, uh, mantra is that human beings can change what's coming, right. uh, which obviously uh, human beings can both cause it and change it. Uh, both of which are false. Uh, human uh, activity affects the climate maybe one half of 1%, and even that's optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your can of hairspray or, or cow right. flatulence is not going to right. make a difference. Exactly. No, D- no, right, right. But one, one good, one good sized volcano in one day puts out more of these, what's allegedly harmful gases in 24 hours than human beings do all year long. Exactly. That's just one, it's one volcano. Um, so that, that's a fantasy, but the, uh, if it's, see, it gives people hope that if humans can cause it, humans can change it. That's the false hope that's being given. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. and, and people grasp at that. They, they, they cling on to that as being something hopeful. And the, I know very few people that will publicly admit they watched Al Gore's documentary, which I did watch the whole thing through. But towards the end, they're giving people advice on how they can save the planet by using different light bulbs, driving less, using an electric automobile, and all this silly stuff uh, to give people hope that they can do something. And I'm glad you brought this up because if you think back, folks, to um, – I remember this especially from Rush Limbaugh who talked about the inefficiency of washers the inefficiency of the uh, uh, toilets you know, that flush that are limited to what 1.5 gallons or uh, I can't remember what the limitations three were. gallons three, okay all right three gallons and you have to flush them twice right? all right right so so anyway <laughs> yeah it, it's just it, so I remember Rush talking about this but uh, one thing that he really didn't at least in from what I heard like what you and others do in the in the new media is really talk about this in the larger scope of this green new deal this green agenda and i know it wasn't a thing back then um under the name green new deal but it it was the same concept this is this is all about socialism this is all about takeover it has nothing really it has this talk about climate change and talk about uh you know the light bulbs and well well, doug you're right there's multiple agendas right 
Go ahead. The Green New Deal serves a number of purposes. The main purpose is to have communism basically take control of the world. Uh, that's the main purpose of the Green New Deal, to destroy capitalism. Uh, and, of course, some of the sub, sub, subplots would be to give people hope that they're doing something positive, make people feel good. They really don't care about making people feel good, but that's a part of the agenda as well. Uh, so, yes, the Green New Deal is about destroying capitalism and uh, bringing the whole world under the communist banner, the red banner, uh, under Russia and China. Uh, and if implemented, it would destroy everything we know about the free market system. It would be simply gone. If implemented, yep. Hmm. Yep. All right. Yeah, but equate that to DHS. The, that equate the equate the um, not the sentiment, but the is, what, is, is, is there an equivalence the there? Go ahead. Well, Department of Homeland Security has a number of issues. One is under Hussein Obama, all agencies that deal with terrorists are partial to, are, are partly with terrorists, which DHS does, of course, were prohibited from naming the enemy. The enemy, of course, is Islam, not white supremacist. The enemy is Islam. Uh, General Mike Flynn's book that he published while, while uh, I think 2012, while Hussein Obama was president. Uh, when, he, when he published that book, that, that, marked him, that made him a marked man for the Obama administration. They wanted that guy gone really bad. They wanted to punish this man really bad because basically in his book, General Flynn said, how can you hope to fight your enemy if you're not even allowed to name your enemy? Which, of course, uh, now, uh, that was the case. And... Many of these protocols and procedures continue on. The legacy of Obama, where all the training manuals, all the protocols, everything they do, and the FBI, the CIA, Department of Homeland Security, DEA, and so forth, are prohibited from naming Islam as the enemy. The, the, the four years of President Trump can't make that stuff go away overnight. Everything needs to be changed, uh, including attitudes. So it's a big problem, Doug. It, it, yes, yeah, it is. Um, what do we do? So, what's the again? You know, it, we, it comes back down to, or comes back around to where we're at now. Um. Okay, so let me just back the truck up here even more. People aren't doing, in my view, people aren't doing what they should be doing. They're not doing enough to call out the, um, I'm not talking about our listeners or viewers, I'm talking about the people within the government system who are working within government because they're leading cushy lives. I'm talking about people who are uh, comfortable in general. We're not, we're not doing enough to, to, to call out the bull crap of, of, of what's going on about how they're, they're, they're peeing on our leg and saying, ah, it's raining outside. You know, the, the, so I, I guess... How do, we can sit here and talk all day, John, you and I, and, and talk all week and talk into, into the next administration of Donald Trump. And I believe that's going to be the case. But what do we do about this? I mean, what are, are we doing enough? I, I, maybe that's just the question. Do, well, you, do you feel I, like you're doing enough? I, I mean, I, well, I don't know. I, I do what I can. Here's what people can do at the local level. Um, you know, all banks nationwide have had to change all their banking protocols and procedures for the following reason. 
men and women under age 30 no longer have a signature. They don't because they weren't taught cursive writing. They can print their name, but they can't sign their name, which also means they can't read the Declaration of Independence or the original Constitution. They can't. At the local level, they can be made a priority to teach children cursive writing. That's a very important foundation, foundational part of our culture, of our society, to be able to walk into the National Archives in Washington, D.C., uh, and walk up to the Declaration of Independence and read it. People under 30 years year old can't do that, Doug. That's, that's a sad thing. Well, it's a sad thing, but it's separating people from these young men and women, they're separating them from our history, from our culture, and from our heritage. And, and that's part that's wrong. It, that's that's right. wrong in every way, in every way that you can imagine. It is wrong. I, and, I, to, I and, be, and that can be done at the local level. The school board can change it, and, and that's an elected of positions where people can run for those positions and get elected and, and have some change. Another thing done locally is to make sure your sheriff, there's over 3,000 sheriffs in this country, yep. that your sheriff supports the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The New World Order hates these county sheriffs, and, and, and they're eliminating yes. them in the bigger yes. jurisdictions. Yes. They're making them appointed and taking away their constitutional, historical, statutory authority that they've always had for more than a century i mean they bounce so, our pile from his position because of soros money in part but leftist money i mean it's, uh, our pile went up against i think a quarter of a million dollars worth of soros donations alone i mean or soros related right. so yes but so that so shows how important that shows how important sheriff joe was right exactly uh, that they would put up that kind of money that's in a, in a sheriff's race. That's a massive amount of money. Yeah, it, it is usually it's a massive amount of money. I mean, what, what does it pay though? You know that position, and, and so you're you're going to throw in, you know, roughly a quarter of a million dollars for a position that pays not even close to that over over the you know the ten. Well, those those are don't. Well, those are donations. The sheriff doesn't contribute that much himself, if anything. In fact, they're limited, probably. A few thousand. No, dollars. no, no. I, I, no but, yeah. but, but what I'm saying is, um, um, in order to, I mean, to campaign successfully for office, it requires money to do that. So, I, my my question has always been, and I'm sure listeners and viewers of yours and mine have always said, you know, why is it that uh, you've got people paying, or you know, the, do, the donations that come in? in the millions of dollars for a position that pays senator or, you know, congressman, uh, for well, people and corporations make those donations for a reason. They hope to have influence right. with the person that gets elected. That's why it's done. Obviously. I mean, that's not really a secret. Um, and of course, many others, uh, individuals, they support the position of the candidate and they make those donations based on their support uh, of that candidate's positions. Uh, but the, the big money comes in, because uh, people hope to have influence with the candidate. And, and at that level, uh, the donations are made to both sides. So the, the uh, donor wins no matter who gets elected. Which brings me back around to President Trump in, in a sense, because I look at him and, and look at his 2016, 2015, 2016, and 17, up to 17 uh, campaign. And he put in, he spent a lot of his own money, most of his own money, um, uh, to, to become elected for the campaign ads and for the campaign expenses. Um, 
he's one of the few people I think maybe the only person to do that. I, I don't I don't know of any other president who's done that in recent modern times. Well, uh, I don't know what Ross Perot spent, but he was capable of spending lots of money if he chose to. Uh, Ross Perot was perceived as a threat to the powers that be in the deep state. And uh, they basically threatened his family to get him to drop out. Uh, so just to refresh your memory, Ross Perot was doing quite well, unexpectedly well, as a third-party candidate. And um, they uh, threatened his family. He dropped out. The, the threat was dealt with, and he came back in. But by the time he came back in, it was too late. Hmm. Do you think he would have done well? For our country? Do you think he would have um, been an asset to, to the United States? Uh, Ross Perot was a statist. Uh, he was not somebody who supports the Constitution the way I, I would or you would. Um, and um, I, as much as I like Ross, I, I, I believe Ross is a true patriot. Uh, he would do something like if it came to the Second Amendment, he would put it up to a vote, uh, whether the Second Amendment should be uh, pursued as written or should be changed. Uh, that's not uh, not something uh, not the country I want to live in. No, that would be a democracy. That would be a democracy. You don't want to live in a democracy, Doug. Of course not. No, no. And and people have to. And it it just it really chaffs my hide when when people say, well, you know, uh, when when people refer to the United States as a democracy, it it just chaffs my hide when they should know better, especially those who should know better. Uh, as, well, right. any American should know that, that this is not a democracy. This is a constitutional or representative republic. That's the way it is. Um, but speaking about all of this, too, there was an article in uh, Big League Politics. I don't know whether you saw this, but um, this really, again, speaking about Chapman, my hide, Soros operative openly pines for America to get overthrown and conquered by foreign powers. To me, and the reason this caught my eye is because this, to me, is what the left is doing in total, all right, um, in mass, is they want the United States to be overthrown uh, uh, as, it's, as it is right now. And this, They do. Yeah, it, so this is just real quick here. Veteran operative of the George Soros Network is openly pining on social media for a foreign invader to march into the United States and take over. And I wonder how many people know, you know, the um, – uh, research that you've done and Dave Hodges and others have done about the uh, foreign powers that uh, that are already here and, and on our borders and, you know, specifically Chinese. And, and of course, Steve Quayle talks about this and you know, all these people. But anyway, this, this guy, right. this self-described queer atheist, his words, not mine, queer atheist. What a, what a great combination. Social justice warrior uh -huh. Zach Ford said that uh, made the declaration on his Twitter account that uh, uh, that the United States should be overthrown. Um, you can read it at BigLeaguePolitics.com. But but man, you know it's just it, anymore. I, I'm sick and tired of people who, who hate America. I, I, I want to start taking people out who who hate. If you, when I say taking people out, I, I want to just smack them. I, you know I don't know. I, I'm if you hate America, what the hell are you doing here? I, I just. I don't know. Well, uh, if you read the CVs of these people arrested in, in the uh, Black Lives Matter Antifa riots, they're mostly almost all white. Yeah. And when you read when you read their bio, you see that they're children of privilege. That they they went to private high schools. They went to colleges where extremely high tuitions. Uh, they're children of privilege that grew up um, with all the 
uh, things that a, a child with privilege would have, they, and they end up they becoming a person. They become a person who hates our country. They hate our culture. They even hate themselves, Doug. And you look at the photographs of these people. They look like people who hate themselves. They don't look. They don't look like health, healthy, normal human beings at all. They look like people who have some serious physical and emotional issues, which they do. It's a psychosis to hate your own country, hate your own people, hate your culture, and being willing and aiding and abetting foreign enemies to bring down your country, uh, I think, is a psychosis. And that's who, the, that's who the leadership of Antifa and Black Lives Matter is. They're men and women of privilege who hate this country and they want to see us destroyed. <laughs> My wife and I were talking over the weekend and, um, you know, she's the sweetest lady I've ever, ever known. She's the, I just love my wife to, to, to death. I mean, she, she and, and she, um, she's the kindest, sweetest, most gentle person, again, I've ever known. But she said, you know, I'm getting sick and tired of people saying that Antifa is just an idea. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, okay, so... Everything, I guess, is an idea at one point, and then it, you put it into action. But ideas don't burn down buildings. People do. Uh, you know, uh, right. I, ideas don't cause violent uh, riots. And I'm sick and tired, of, by the way, too, and she mentioned this as well, of, uh, of people coddling these, these violent protesters in Portland and elsewhere. And uh, she also said that uh, she believes, and as I do, that uh, if Donald Trump gets elected, and I believe that he will, I believe that his, uh, I think he'll he'll win by a similar electoral margin than as before, in a free or a fair election. That is, um, I think we're going to see a blowback by the left that will be jaw dropping. I, I think it's they're gonna, done. Doug, yeah. they know they're done. They know yep. they're finished. Yep. Uh, and President Trump will be reelected by an overwhelming uh, landslide majority. Uh, they'll do everything they can to disrupt the election, cause the election to be caused in the, call, called into question, to disrupt the electoral college that's already happening in some states. Uh, all those efforts will be unsuccessful. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Wednesday, the next day after the election, uh, all hell will break loose, I believe. I hope I'm wrong. But in the, in the cities they already control, uh, Portland, Seattle, Chicago, New York, I believe all hell's going to break loose, um, and possibly other venues as well. But uh, in those cities and any other cities, uh, major cities controlled by Democrats, which there's a number, Baltimore comes to mind, I believe all hell will, be, will break loose. We've seen the uh, violence has tapered off for the time being. They're using this time off to rebuild their forces for more training, to get better supplies, better equipment, and uh, be ready to strike. When a, when a moment is right, which I believe will be the day after the election. There may be some blow-ups between now and then, but that's the, what, I'm, what my focus on right now is the day after the election, Doug. I'm glad you said hey. that. And I'm glad your, anal your analysis, in my view, is spot on. This is what uh, Randy Taylor, myself, our, our investigative team is seeing. And I mentioned that during uh, our meeting last night, uh, John, I've been seeing, we, you know how you can belong to certain law enforcement news groups and um, you, you get their, their, I don't want to say newsletters, but news flashes. It's almost like a news ticker that you can, you can uh, belong to. 
I'm seeing, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a pullback, and you're right, a regrouping of these groups, a, a restocking, a re, okay, we're, we're going to get ready because, you know, November 4th. We're I've seen be, this happen firsthand. Okay, the fall of 1967. Fall of 1967 in Vietnam. Enemy activity was almost nothing. September, October, November, December, and uh, most of January till the, till the Tet Offensive at the end of January 1968. Um, and we were, on my job, my job was, I was an intelligence analyst in psychological warfare, and we would have Viet Cong defectors that would uh, rally to the South, uh, to the South Vietnamese, and uh, we would interview these people in detail. What's going on, guys? And they would tell us, say, well, we're training. We're getting ready. We're being we're getting ready for the big offensive, the end of January, the Tet Offensive. Uh, so I've been through this before, where the enemy lays off their activity, their training, they're getting better equipment, they're getting better supplies, making their plans, and getting ready for the coming offensive, Doug. That's exactly what's taking place. You know, there are two documents. Two documents. I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen one or both. One is indivisible. The other is the Transition Integrity Project. Have you seen this document, John? This is from 2017. This is it's called Indivisible, a Practical Guide for Resisting the Trump Agenda. Again, this goes back to 2017, and it it it's uh, I believe it's 26 pages. I, I can't. I, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, it, it tells you it, this is the playbook of the left. This is the call to action of the left and you know who really is front and center i think at the bottom the last page is a quote from none other than the bathhouse barry that uh you know change comes from us uh, there, there it is right there change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time we are the ones we've been waiting for we are the change that we seek and, of course, this is following his, you know, he's still referred to as president, although, again, his eligibility is in question. It's more of a regime than a president. <laughs> but, but, but have you seen this document? Have you? I have not. Okay. I have not. That's news to me. This uh, is their playbook. This is, I'm telling you, folks, this is the playbook of the left. And Glenn Beck talked about this. Uh, in fact, he was the first, I think, and he might have been. Right, right after this was published, uh, in addition to his Civil War uh, mention. But they're calling for exactly what we're seeing on the street. They were calling since President Trump's election. So you're right. Well, I made a note to look that up. I'll, I'll look that up and read it before the day is over. Um, it looks like something that uh, people doing what we do, Doug, really need to be aware of. Well, and, they, um, they, they are. Right. Yeah, I mean— for the most part, at least I, I know that the that the, the proper people within the within the government are, but uh, or within the police agencies are. The other one is the Transition Integrity Project, uh, which came out with a four scenarios for Election Day: a clear Trump win, which you know is going to be essentially this is a nonpartisan, allegedly nonpartisan uh, group that was it's anything but nonpartisan. Anything but non-political. It was found the group itself that founded this and was behind this report is Rosa. Uh, the founder is Rosa uh, Brooks, who was a Pentagon employee from 2009 to 2011, and also an employee of uh, 
George Soros. Uh-huh. The Transition Integrity Project uh, lays out four specific scenarios, all of which uh, are, are what these people want to do is cause a, a, a constitutional crisis at the at the top level. So, what you're talking about and what is street level violence, I totally believe is going to happen on the fourth. And and if it doesn't, I mean, if 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 Biden somehow pulls out this win, oh man, it's going to happen anyway. But it's going to be a different kind of well, violence. The the lawsuits at, at the top level, the lawsuits will be, you know, the clerks with the lawsuits will be walking in the door of various courthouses the, the moment they open up the mo- the morning after the election. Those lawsuits have already been prepared in great detail, um, yeah. uh, asking for asking for judges to nullify the election action, ask them to change things that have already happened. Uh, multiple lawsuits have already been prepared. Uh, that's a given. Of course I have. So what's going to, I mean, what's your under oath speculation as you referenced it before? So, well, if they can find, you know, there's still friendly judges around the country. Right. Um, if they can find friendly judges in states that have a lot of electoral college votes, to uh, disrupt the election, nullify it, do something to change the outcome. That's where they're, they're going to be focusing their efforts in places where they can have the biggest impact, which would be the states that have the most electoral college votes. All right. Then, then I'll ask you to speculate on this. Let's say we have... Um, let's say we have a, a absolute President Trump victory. Undeniable. I mean, Biden gets pounced, trounced, uh, you know, a replay of 2016, except, oh, even better and even more because, oh, the tears of the left, how deliciously salty but sweet they are. Let's say this happens because people are, I, I look at Twitter and Facebook and I think, my gosh, these people are delusional. I mean, um, but okay, so what happens in your mind? Because you mentioned this. Take well, me, if they lose me the polls, if they, if they lose the ballot box and they got the bullet box, that's all that's left for them. That's the left, uh, right? What, what we correct. What we saw happen in Portland, Seattle, Chicago, New York will be amplified uh, far worse in many cities at the same time, including attacks on infrastructure, including covert support from Russian Spetsnaz, the Russian special forces, uh, Chinese special forces that are already here in this country. They'll, to, to accomplish their goal, they will destroy and murder whoever they need to murder and whatever they need to destroy. That's what it's going to come down to. The communists uh, have to accomplish their goal in their, in their, in their mind, in their opinion. And the gloves come off following the election, Doug. Okay, then then let me ask you for your sworn uh, speculation, uh, under oath speculation, on something that people, I don't see a lot of people asking this question. Clear-cut victory for Donald Trump, but, well, at least it, it appeared that way until suddenly they found all these votes and suddenly the Biden pulls out a victory. And it's clear, it is clear to the American people that that are paying attention. And that's an important distinction that President Trump won, but Biden is being declared the winner. 
what happens to what is the what's the response of the right going to be it will they war in the streets will they burn stores will they to overturn cars what's our no, not who, our no, response going no, to be no that's not, that's not who we are um, no the no, the conservative americans uh, they will go about their daily business until beto o'rourke is appointed to confiscate people's firearms uh, that's where the rubber's going to meet the road. Uh, the New World Order cannot take over the United States without taking our guns first. That can't happen. Uh, so that's where the rubber will meet the road. Americans are not going to give up their firearms voluntarily. And um, whatever incentives they provide won't work. There's more guns in this country than there are people. A lot more guns than there are people. Uh, so uh, I believe that as long as Americans go to work, uh, buy groceries, and keep their uh, and own their firearms. They will remain polite and um, non-aggressive. But the moment the government tries to do something such as take their firearms, that's where the war begins. You know, I spoke of this before: the Battle of Athens, McMinn County, Tennessee, back in 1946. I really believe that we need another group of men who came back from World War II and got pissed off when they saw that. Uh, their county election was hijacked by uh, one family, one leftist uh, goon squad. I think that we need men in this country. And I, you know what, John, um, agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. I believe that at that point that you said when they come for the firearms, it's too late if, 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 well, if, to me. Well, look what, happened. look what happened in 1776. America's put up with ill treatment americans put up with the taxation without representation the tax the tax act um they put up with a lot but when the british army came for the guns at lexington and concord that's when they met armed resistance but not until then americans put up with everything else up to that point when they came for the guns that's when the war began nothing's changed doug yeah nothing's I changed I got a, a follow-up on the Battle of Athens. I was visiting a very dear friend of mine in, in Nashville in the mid-'80s. This would have been about 30 years after the Battle of Athens, uh, which there was, I think, maybe one film made about it. But the, the Nashville newspaper, the Sunday edition, had a story about a, mem a man who was there, a, a World War II Marine, who his hobby at the time, this is 30 years after the after the. Uh, 19, was it 1946 at election? Anyway, his hobby was hunting hogs with a spear that he made himself. Hunting wild hogs with a spear that he made himself. Now, that's one tough hombre. <laughs> these, these wild hogs, they got... So, wild boar uh, got, with a spear. They got wild boars, they have tusks to take your man's leg off. Oh, yeah. Um, he, oh, yeah. This is... You know, so, that was his hobby. Hunting wild <laughs> boars with a spear. <laughs> Uh, that tickles me because I, I I can I can envision that. Um, yeah, there's some nasty the, the wild boar are nasty animals, by the way. Um, yeah. So okay, did, did I interrupt you in this because by by laughing at that? No, I, no. I mean uh, that's 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 American men being American men. Yeah. You know, I, uh, and age doesn't matter. You know, I, I'm 73 years old. I ride a motorcycle, I jump out of airplanes, I drive a British sports car, I compete in athletic competitions, um, and I have a precision rifle that is very, very good. Uh, 
Um, so, yes, uh, you really don't want to mess with the veterans. You don't want to mess with American men who just want to be left alone to live our lives, uh, work, our, work our professions, love our families. You really don't want to mess with us. And if you try to take our guns, just like 1776, you're going to get a war. And it won't, it, won't, it won't be a very pleasant experience for anybody. But we will prevail because we got the guns, we got the numbers. I, I used to say that, that, you know, we can win on the numbers. Um, you said we have the numbers. I used to say that we can win on the numbers. I'm not sure I can, I believe that we can win just on the numbers. Um, we need, we need people to show up. We need people to, it's, it's more than a numbers game. It's an involvement game. You've got, it's, it's a, you need to be and be involved. You're right. I mean, but again, so we draw the line at, at weapons confiscation. It's, it seems like to me, and, and John, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like, you know, we are a, uh, the men of this nation who are call themselves conservative Christians, it seems to me that we keep allowing them to change the goalposts, the position of the goalposts. It seems to me that we, when we draw a line in the sand, we allow them to go across that line and draw another line closer to our own home. And it's, it's that whole process. Well, that's been happening for decades, Doug. I know uh, it's not right though. I mean, to me, it's not right. So I guess what I'm saying to you, John, is if we allow them to the point where, okay, we're coming for your guns. Now you're you know, the beta or work, hell yes, we're coming for your uh, guns or whatever he said. Um, uh, it's too late. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, uh, and I think, th you know what? I think people know this because the, go ahead and try to buy or yeah, tr try to purchase a, a, a thing of nine millimeter, a thing of ammo, nine millimeter ammo or uh, 45s. Good luck. You may find it, but it's going to be quite overpriced. I've seen 38s as expensive as $3 a round recently. If you can believe that, it should be. 25 to 50 cents around. Uh, well, the time to buy ammunition has come and gone. If you get some, good luck at a, at a, at a decent price, that is. There's price gouging going on. Um, there's no precedence. The, the, the three times when we had similar situations was uh, September 1994, when the assault weapons and high-capacity magazine ban passed Congress. Then the first time Obama got elected in 08, and the second time we got elected in, in 2012. Those are the three times we've seen tremendous surges in, in, in ammunition and, and firearm sales. There's no precedence for what's taking place right now. Um, all the, the, de the dealers are out, the distributors are out, um, the manufacturers are doing the best they can to catch up, but they won't. And this is gonna go on for some period of time, at least well into next year, Doug, at least. There was a recent article about 80,000 orders, $80,000. No, no, 80 million. I don't know. It was just, it, there was a recent article about uh, one company in Arizona being uh, behind by a, a huge figure. It was, it was an unbelievable figure. Anyway, you're right. Worst well, coming. Worst coming. Well, did we talk about the, the last week? Do we talk about the conversation I overheard at a cafe? It doesn't matter. Let's talk about it again. I can't remember okay. if we did or not. But it's well, I was, at, I was at a local cafe. Uh, the table next to me, there were four men, two of them were veterans. 
And the topic of conversation, this is about three months ago, by the way, the topic of conversation was the merits of lethal versus non-lethal booby traps to deal with Black Lives Matter Antifa if they came out in our neighborhood. I don't think we talked about this. Okay. All right. Let's, no. let, let's, and I, I was, yeah. it was a quiet cafe and I could hear the conversation. I didn't interrupt or anything, but, uh, that's what, that was that conversation. Uh, there's a gentleman in my neighborhood. He, uh, has, uh, the necessary license to go to Winchester up in Alton, Illinois, which is about a three hour drive from here. And he takes orders from the local guys. You want a case of this ammo? This is six months ago, eight months ago, a case of that ammo. And he goes up and he picks up these cases and he drops them off. At the, uh, at the buyer's homes that have made these purchases. Uh, so we're, when you're talking 1,000 rounds at a time of 223, 9mm, uh, 45, and so forth, in a case of 22, 5,000 rounds at a time. Uh, so uh, this is not isolated, Doug. Uh, once you get away from these cities, uh, in these 3,300 counties, once you get away from these cities, these conversations at these cafes are happening all over the country. Men are st- have been stocking up on ammunition this entire calendar year. This is nothing new. Nothing new at all. Um, once you get away from the cities, men and women have more of a sense of what's important, what's not. They're not distracted by professional sports, dancing with the stars, all the silliness that people in, that live in urban areas get caught up in. They're closer to the ground. They're closer to reality, closer to nature. And they know what's important, and they have a sense about where we are and where the country's going. And that's why they're stocking up on ammunition, stocking up on guns, and, of course, food and, and all the other things that they may need to survive what's coming at us, Doug. That's happening nationwide, and it needs to, and it is. You know, if you just simply put in a search engine, ammunition shortage 2020, uh, you'll get a, a litany of things that pop up, including... This country, or the country, is literally out of ammunition. This, according to NJ.com, uncertain times that led to a gun supply ammo shortage. Um, amid booming gun and ammo sales, arms maker, uh, uh, never mind, uh, they, they can't, but they can't keep up with demand. So people are paying attention uh, to the news, the headlines. They are getting ready, and I think. Um, I just, I'm telling you right now, it's, it's, there will be blood flowing in the streets. And I go back to that. Uh, I go back to the, uh, um, the election. You're calling, you're, you're saying that you, you speculate that we're going to see violence on the day after election. I do too. And, and I, it, it doesn't matter who's going to win or who's going to be announced. I, I it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, no. And, and I do think that in this case, Americans are going to expect. Well, Americans are going to, are going to get bamboozled because they're going to say, "Well, there's really no clear-cut winners. Too close to call, and it's going to be stretched out over a period of over an intolerable period." And I think I can see that that coming. Well, in. and that would be the, the mantra of the mass media talking about the popular vote, right? And people, most Americans are not aware the electoral college even exists. They're not. The majority of Americans aren't. And they are not aware that the president is determined by the Electoral College, not by the popular vote. So the, the focus of the mass media will be on the popular vote. That's what it's going to be on, not the Electoral College. And that will be enough right there by itself to cause 
doubt and cause confusion because of, of this ignorance that the American people have in general of the Electoral College, what it is, how it works, why it works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which goes back to, you know, what we originally thought we were talking about, too, about the education system, about history, um, about the fact that we're not a democracy, we're, we're a republic, and the elections are decided by electoral uh, votes, and people don't even understand the reason behind the Electoral College. That's so, you know, cities well, like... It's real uh, simple. Yeah. It's go, real simple. Go ahead. To prevent us, to prevent us from becoming a democracy. Thank you. Yes, that's very... That's, all, very that's, well that's the only reason. Right. It's the only reason. You know, if you read the Federalist Papers, if you find the word democracy mentioned at all, it won't be mentioned favorably. Correct. Um, and uh, democracies have been tried before us. Democracies have been tried... With, with disastrous failures for centuries uh, here and there, uh, going back to uh, the, the ancient Greeks' attempted at democracies, and with they've always been absolute failures. And what happens is once you, once you have a democracy, people figure out they can vote themselves money. It's not one or two, or at the most three generations before countries bankrupt themselves. And we're in the process of doing that right now. People voting themselves money by voting uh, in people who will give them money. Uh, the uh, entitlement programs of this country, if left unchanged, will in fact bankrupt the country. That's inevitable. If you look at the numbers, look at where they're going, look at, at the demographics, the Medicare, Medicaid, the other entitlement programs, they will in fact bank, bankrupt the country. And the people behind it, that's what exactly what they want. I'm disappointed to see the president, but he has no choice because people think the federal government should be involved in health care. Nothing could be further from the truth. The federal government of the United States has no business being involved in private citizens' health care. Veterans, yes. Uh, elected officials, yes, but not private citizens. Uh, that's a private sector matter. Not, it's totally unconstitutional to spend any money on it, on anything to do with private citizens' health care. Completely unconstitutional. And people say, John, you're heartless. No, no, I'm not heartless. Let the states spend money. If the states want to spend money on it, go for it, but not federal tax dollars. Precisely. And, and there's a lot there, different, uh, different topics there, getting into the, the money side of things, getting into the uh, benefit packages, or those aren't even benefit, the giveaways. Now, um, of course, Social Security is a little bit different because employer or employees pay into that you know as an employee pay into that and the employer pays into that as well uh but these other giveaway programs you know these so-called safety net programs you talk about quickly bankrupting a country my goodness well well that's ahead of, that's the direction it's going yeah even social security people that draw social security disability never paid into the system at all uh which is another entitlement of course um but uh I'm sure the president's aware of these matters, and then he may do something to help cut back on them in his second term. Uh, some of these things are hot potatoes, such as the old, the entire pharmaceutical vaccine industry. Uh, he left that alone in his first administration. He was going to do something about it with Robert Kennedy Jr. being in charge of that effort. Um, he backed off. I think that shortly after he's reelected, you're going to find Robert Kennedy Jr. possibly brought back into the administration because— well, President Trump will never face re-election again. And 
this vaccine and pharmaceutical industry needs to be brought under control. That's another uh, huge way that Americans are being um, taken advantage of. I, I totally agree. And I think the real, let's see here, how can I put this? So far in the uh, the last four or the, the four years of, of this Trump administration, I don't think people realize what President Trump has done to lower the cost of certain prescription medications for people. And the exact opposite is being said in the, in the news. Um, he's cut out in certain cases, well, he's cut out the, the middlemen, some of the middlemen in the process. And that, is, as a consequence, has lowered the drug prices on, in many cases. But people are getting the opposite in terms of um, the media. They're saying, well, you know, President Trump has gone against the Affordable Care Act and has made prices unaffordable for both health care and prescriptions, which is not the case whatsoever. I'm just saying. So, yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to uh, for for him to kind of take the gloves off with respect to vaccines and uh, what you said more about uh, about pharmaceuticals as well. So. Right. Well, uh, in the last three years, four years, we've had Bayer, a German company. We all heard of Bayer Aspirin. Bayer is a German company, has bought uh, Monsanto. Um, I've known a number of people over the years that have worked for Monsanto. Uh, the pharmaceutical industry has no loyalty to any country. They don't. Uh, the countries don't mean squat to them. All they care about is profit. Uh, Ed Griffin, G. Edward Griffin, wrote an excellent book. Uh, a big part of it documents the true nature of the international pharmaceutical industry, uh, titled World Without Cancer. I've interviewed uh, Ed Griffin about that on my show. Uh, and it's diabolical. Diabolical. And it's been going on for generations. Uh, the um, IG Farben, for example, uh, another chemical pharmaceutical company, when Berlin was reduced to rubble, the IG Farben headquarters was left in pristine condition, off limits to American bombers. The American Army came in and took over IG Farben's headquarters for their own headquarters for three to five years when they turned it back over to IG Farben. Uh, so... Uh, the uh, pharmaceutical industry is hor is horrible in terms of what they do to people's health and the finances of not only people but entire countries are being strangled by the pharmaceutical industry. Sorry about that. My uh, I, I hit my mute button by accident. Yes, exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. No, exactly. By the way, um, the... Um, News in or news in that uh, uh, White House press secretary Kaylee McEnany announced today that she tested positive for uh, COVID nineteen. Just saying, right? Um, uh, you know, I, I I don't know. But by the way, well, it's go ahead. A health a healthy young woman like her, if she has any symptoms at all, it'll be two or three days of mild flu like symptoms, and she'll be back to normal. Um, that's. What we have found, and I need to keep repeating this, my friend Steve Hunt, my uh, financial advisor on my Thursday show, he uh, was in the hospital with COVID-19 for two weeks. And uh, without exception, we got three shifts a, a day, 14 days. That sounds like 
at least 21 visits by 21, sometimes some different, sometimes the same doctors, all told them the same thing. Steve, it's people with type A blood that really, really get sick when they get the COVID-19. Now, it's not being talked about publicly that I'm aware of, but that's what all the doctors in Phoenix, Arizona told my friend Steve Hunt when he was in the hospital for really? two weeks with COVID-19. So right. type A, um, people with type blood A. type A. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, positive or negative. You have type A blood and you get COVID, you're highly likely to get very sick. John, is there a racial component with, with that uh, type A uh, blood? That's, uh, that's something I have not looked into. Uh, there may very well be, but I simply don't know. Interesting. Um, I've seen people talking about this too, with, with respect to, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, because that, and also President Trump. Well, well, look, well look at the aircraft carrier. They had 5,000 men and women. Yep. They tested everybody. 85% tested positive. Now this is, uh, you're not going to find maybe in a prison, even in prison wouldn't work because you got outside vendors coming in a completely controlled environment. You're in the ocean. That's as controlled an environment as can be. 5,000 men and women, 85% tested positive for, for the COVID-19. Right. About a dozen got sick, and about three of those got really sick. Now, which tells me the following. That if you're a healthy man or a healthy woman and you, you're exposed to COVID, you, you may not even know it unless you're I, tested. Right. I, I agree with that. I, okay. But... With respect to President Trump, I've seen some forum postings in different areas, and I've seen some people talking about the weaponization of the coronavirus, and I think it has been weaponized. I think it is a bioweapon. You know, yeah. So, so people have been openly asking, uh, hey, is it possible that President Trump was infected on purpose? Now, and, and of course, that's always accompanied with, well, you know, don't, don't, don't don't call me a nutbag and, you know, a nut job. Don't, don't, uh, you know, but is it possible that maybe, maybe president Trump because of his anti-mask stance, because of his positions? Uh, well, we can't, we, we, in the absence of evidence, we simply don't know. And yeah, I know. Uh, that's, it's specul in the absence of evidence is simply speculation. It, it is. And but- it, and when it comes to somebody high profile and important as the president of the United States, of course, there's going to be speculation. Um, uh, it reminds me, there were several years after Abraham Lincoln died, they opened up his tomb to make sure he really was in the tomb. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it really did happen, by the way. Yes. Um, you knew that. Yes. And they also have, oh. um, his was the only, one of the only, there are photographs of, of him in his, in his casket, by the way. Uh, yes. Uh, and I, the only reason I know that is because there was a documentary about a year and a half, two years ago, that really went into the conspiracy factor surrounding right. all of that. Yes, yes. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Well, there's always going to be uh, speculation whenever somebody like the president has any issue at all. Um, but that's all it is, is speculation. But, but you know what? We, I, I think we're allowed to speculate because I think— the, Of course we are. You know, it's a free country. I, yeah, but—, but <laughs> But I mean, I don't think this is out of the realm of possibility where you can you can actually take a virus and modify it to to, um, uh, to affect President Trump, for example, differently than uh, uh, you or me. Uh, I just I I don't know. There's just something to me. 
every single time you turn around, there's this uh, deep state, these deep state moves. And, and I wouldn't put it past the deep state to somehow. Well, there's a lot of people with A passes that go in out of the White House every day of the week. Right. A pass is, is the least restrictive. Um, uh, could one Hell, of those even persons, I got one of those. Right. Uh, could one of those persons be inadvertently, without their knowledge, uh, contaminated with a very deadly virus uh, and, and go about their normal routine at the White House as uh, working in the kitchen, custodial help, uh, staff, uh, any number of, um, you know, I know. I know people who know people that work in the White House. Uh, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Um, right. But uh, we don't have evidence yet. No, uh, I know. I, I, I was talking earlier, and then this is something I, I screwed up earlier with the uh, video. Breitbart has celebrities meltdown over Trump's drive around Boulder Reed. I thought I thought that was a pretty decent um, thing for him to do. You know, you got a whole bunch of people praying and in support of you outside of your hospital room. And uh, so he goes out. And, and I don't know if you saw this, but Hollywood celebrities triggered by Trump's surprise visit to fans outside Walter Reed impeach him effing sociopath. And there, of course, is Jim Carrey, you know, talking about, a, in my view, sociopath. Um, case closed, in my view, again, in my opinion, uh, there he is on the left, but uh, some of the comments, if you scroll down, some of the comments, man, this is the visceral hatred. This is the insanity that we're seeing. Um, the wish for him to be dead. Uh, right. Well, it's a form of psychosis, there's no doubt in my mind, that uh, the left is heavily populated by men and women who are suffering from various psychosis. And that's what's going on there, Doug. Uh, because you have a particular talent to stand in front of a camera and pretend to be somebody else doesn't make you an authority on anything except your particular talent of being an actor. But we've elevated actors and actresses to have platforms uh, to speak on things uh, of which they have no, no direct knowledge and no, no direct uh, expertise. Uh, that's just the way our society... And the same thing applies with... Uh, uh, athletes, of course, and uh, uh, that's where we are, is we elevate these people into where they, we pay attention to people with no expertise and talent in the areas outside of their own, um, as if we should listen to them. And, and this is what I, I like about you, too, is because when you come on, you talk about facts, and, and you often um, say, well, you know, it's speculation. And, and you're right, you know, it's it's speculation. Just like opinion it's not fact. Okay, so when you come on and, and uh, you, you give facts, you, we talk about issues that are factual. We give information that's factual. You do in particular. Because frankly, no one gives a damn about what I think. And, and I'm serious, nor should they. Why should anyone care what I think, what I believe, what my opinion is? I really wouldn't die. You know, who cares? I certainly don't give a damn of what Patton Oswald thinks about anything that little um, pygmy-sized garden gnome of an actor, you know, if you don't know who that guy is. I don't know who that yeah. is. Yeah, no. or Bette Midler. I don't care what she thinks. I don't care what any of these 
mopes think. So that's why I like, you know, you talking about about facts and stuff. All right. I've dominated uh, the subject matter, it seems, and I don't mean that. So, I mean, what, 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 should, what should we talk about now? There's nothing, there's really well, nothing to talk about. So it's all, it's in all many done. Juris- done. Sorry. In, in, many, in many jurisdictions, it's too late to register to vote. In some, in some jurisdictions, you can for maybe a, a day or two or three. I don't know. It's going to vary from state to state. Uh, each state has their own laws about when you may register uh, be, to vote in the upcoming election. Uh, so I want to take a moment to encourage people to register to vote if they have not. If they can't go to, to vote in person, to go to county clerk's office and vote absentee ballot, you do that right, in, and I've done this myself, just walk in the door, you, they get, hand you a ballot, you fill it out, and you vote right there on the spot, absentee ballot. Um, I'm not a big fan of mail-in ballots, but if you need to do that, then do that, whatever it takes. If your friend, your neighbor, your relative needs a ride to the polls or child care to get the vote, you help them get that ride to the polls. You help with the child care. We need overwhelming numbers, Doug. We need a landslide for this president nationwide, and every vote counts. Let's not leave out the local elections for sheriff for various county positions and city positions. Uh, sometimes a, a town will elect a, t- a town marshal, for example. The town marshal will frequently end up becoming the sheriff uh, at a future date. Local elected officials end up becoming state reps and state senators who in turn end up becoming congressmen and congresswomen. All these elections matter. And this one coming up four weeks from tomorrow is incredibly important. It's historical. And we need to take it seriously, not get distracted by uh, social events or, or business events or whatever it might be. Uh, do whatever it takes to make sure you vote in person or absentee ballot. That needs to be emphasized, Doug. I agree. I think that anyone who doesn't vote who is an American citizen, you're you're shirking your responsibility. And don't give me that this crap that, well, um, you know, your vote, or uh, as a Christian, I can't vote because I don't want to vote for... Um, I can't get behind President Trump because he's evil or because of, of for whatever well, reason. You know, I just, that's I said, BS. Doug, it's been about a year ago, maybe two years ago. I sat across at the dinner table from two Baptist preachers, older gentlemen, and they're, they're, I was listening and maybe interjecting now and then, but they both agreed that Donald Trump was being used by God to assert, to achieve certain goals that, uh, Donald Trump does not fit the profile of a man we would consider a conservative Christian in many ways. And he doesn't. It hasn't been his life. It hasn't been who he is. But these, these two Baptist preachers that are both in their early to mid-80s, by the way, they were in agreement that God was using this man to achieve God's goals. And despite the, the frailties, despite the imperfections of Donald J. Trump, of which he has many. He's sure. just a man. Yeah. He's just a man doing the things that many men, if they became billionaires, would do. Um, he became a multimillionaire as a very young man. I think before he was age 30, he was a multimillionaire. And uh, his worldview is different than other people's, but he loves this country. And he didn't need this. He didn't need to be president of the United States. He really didn't need that. But he, he's, he took time off from his businesses to do what he thinks is the right thing to do and leave behind a, a legacy for his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren that will be an intact country 
with the values we hold dear still intact. So God bless Donald Trump. That's all I can say. Amen to that. And there's plenty of examples in the Bible where God has used people that are, you know, were not uh, the best, obviously, but they've, he's used people in um, positions of power to uh, change events. I mean, uh, don't underestimate God's ability. Uh, and I think a lot of people do. And, you know, don't, what's that saying? Somebody had said, and I wish I would have thought of it, but Donald Trump is uh, may not be perfect, but he's the perfect person for this position. And I, and I truly believe that at this moment in time, I think he's the only person that can handle this because John, I don't know about you, John, but I'll tell you what, um, after everything he faced, uh, from, surveillance by the deep state, by Comey, that miserable lizard of a person, uh, and, and Brennan and all the deep state, uh, people and page and struck, you know, lovers page and struck, um, from Russiagate to, to, uh, not now recently $750 in taxes, my patoot. Okay. You know, we haven't seen the tax forms and, and, but anyway, I would have told, I would have said, you know what? I ain't doing this anymore. I'm not that because I, I, I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of waking up and seeing my name and my family being, you know, smeared all over the world by a bunch of morons. I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm so I give him a lot of credit for hanging in there, um, John. I really do because I don't know if I could do it. I'm serious. I don't know if I. I, I just don't know. Um, well. The president is one of those men who can get by quite well in four or five hours sleep a night. It seems to be part of his persona, part of who he is, which gives him a lot of waking hours to take care of the nation's business, which he actually does do, by the way, as opposed to Hussein Obama, who played golf way too much, uh, while Valerie Jarrett, the Muslim communist, was actually running the country. And Valerie Jarrett is in the uh, offices of Hussein Obama as we speak, planning the takedown of this country. Uh, I don't know if she does, but she probably has a, a um, image of Mao Zedong uh, hung, hanging above her bed. No, no image of Muhammad, of course, since that Muslims don't believe that Muhammad should have any Im- image. Right. But she's a Muslim communist. Yep. And that's who was running the country those eight years, was Valerie Jarrett. Hmm. I wonder how many people really understand that. Well, we we've could, had we, other examples. We, we've I mean, had we've other said, examples of that. Yeah, I mean, for as long and, and as much as we've said all this, John, it, it's almost as if people. So, there's an element of people out there who will never believe that, um, for example, will never believe that there's any question about the Muslims. You know, Barack Hussein Obama's 57 states. Whoops, I misspoke about his him. Or his wife, Michael. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 how can by how can someone that smart and that well educated accidentally call his wife Michael? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how is that possible? You know, I'm not that smart, and and I, I, I <laughs> you're and smart I gotta, enough. <laughs> I, I got to tell you this: uh, there are times I can I can't put words in the right order to form a complete co- co- coherent sentence. But I don't think I've ever called my wife Robert. Okay. I'm just saying, or right. referred to as, you know, 
so I don't know if that little, you know, if that package that we saw dangling in there. Uh, Several. There's there's a number of uh, videos of that. Um, yes, um, a number of videos you know, where Michael was dancing with uh, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, for example. Um, that was one that I recall. Uh, you know, the package has shown up on video a number of times. Yes. And look, I don't know what's underneath the uh, the cloth, and I don't really want to know. Um, <laughs> all I want is the truth. Okay, I mean, seriously, I don't need. I just want the truth, and I think that we've been we've been hoodwinked by so many people for so long that people die. the truth sometimes you can get hit over the head with the truth. Many people can and not recognize it when they you know when they're when they're given the truth. And I think that that's of course the. Well, Joan Rivers told the truth, and she was dead a few weeks later. It's coincidence, John. I mean, just oh, I'm sorry, that was coincidence. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, she was. That was a fabulous statement that, that she made. I mean, she was pretty. I mean, uh, talking about him just, being a, just just stating it matter of fact. Yeah. Oh, we all know that. Yeah. Hey, all we being the Hollywood insiders. Well, yes, yes, I. Uh, and I believe that that they do. By the way, I, w- I want to just jump in here and, and, and mention this before I forget, and I shouldn't forget. Uh, um, I don't know whether you know this or not. We we had uh, we've had Larry Nichols, uh, Clinton Insider, on the program several times. He passed right. away last week. I heard about that. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, so, he had multiple health issues for a number of years, and yeah. he did a lot of good work for a lot of years exposing a Clinton crime family. Brilliant. Yeah. God bless Laurie Nichols, and I hope he's gone on to a just reward. Amen. And I got to ask you this, too, because somebody, and I never heard of this person before until somebody sent me an email saying, hey, you got to ask John about this. So here's the story. This involves your masks, okay? Okay. Grammy-nominated pop star Lana Del Rey, she wore this mesh mask at a signing event for her new poetry book at Barnes and Noble in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And she met with her fans and all this. This the backlash, by the way, came quick. Social media users roasting Delray's mesh mask for her defiance of local coronavirus guidelines. And I thought, man, I got this email from a listener and the the email is from uh is from Debbie and she said, please ask John to uh, please ask John for his reaction. Ha ha ha! Look at this, and then the, there's a link to the article on Breitbart about this uh, about her wearing a mesh mask, and there's a picture of her on Breitbart. It's I, I don't even know who this person is, but nonetheless, it's supposed to be a big deal. Um, so, uh, but, but she got roasted. Uh, 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 okay, so she well, got roasted for it's, wearing. It's not, it's not one of the masks that I offer for sale. I can tell that. Right, but uh, I say good for her, good for her. Uh, a friend of mine, he owns a business in, in uh, one of the local communities with dozens of people every day coming into his business. He told me four months ago, he says, John, I can tell who the liberals are. I said, really, how's that? He says, they're the ones wearing masks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because in my community, no, nobody but the liberals wears masks, no, almost no one. Well, which brings me, because the email said they asked John, and I know you don't sell them, they're not mesh, they're... Uh, uh, Mosquito netting. Thank you. Mosquito netting. Thank you. Right. Uh, so how's that, how's that going? 
Well, it's my friend Tim Spencer, my webmaster. It's his business. He's got three lovely Filipino ladies sewing these things up in Salem, Missouri, eight hours a day, five days a week. They're finally caught up with back orders. And they tell people, don't go to my website. Uh, I mean, don't, don't go to my website through a search engine. Uh, go to my website right through your browser, thelibertyman.com. Otherwise, you'll end up at thelibertyman.net, which you don't want to be there. It's for event planners only. So put the libertyman.com in your browser directly, and uh, you'll get there immediately without being misdirected. Right. And by the way, you can also go to hagmanreportlive.com in the program description box, find a link to John Moore's website. Outstanding. So, you know, I mean, it's 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 that way. So, okay. All right. So we, we've talked about a lot of stuff. Um, I'm going to show you, if you don't mind, let's see. Um, there was something I wanted to show you. Um, Oh, I want to show you this, and and we're only this is if you don't mind, this is about a four minute video. the The satanic left wants our president to die. This is a video report by John Bowen. Bowen, B O W N E. However, you pronounce that. I apologize for the mispronunciation. You might take a look at this because I want to get your take on this because back in 2016, I went all in. I had information from uh, well, Eric Prince being one uh, um, and others, uh, including people that had information about Hillary, her satanic inclinations. And that also included Larry Nichols, by the way. The late, uh -huh. the late Larry Nichols. But do you mind if we take a look at this for a Let's do that. We, Let's do it, okay. please. Yeah. Can, can we play that? All right, here it comes. In the wee wee hours, just 32 days before the election, President Trump announced on Twitter that he and the First Lady had tested positive for the Chinese plague known as coronavirus. I want to thank everybody for the tremendous support. I'm going to Walter Reed Hospital. I think I'm doing very well, but we're going to make sure that things work out. The First Lady is doing very well. So uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I will never forget it. Thank you. Immediately, the lowest forms of humanity began responding to the tweet with satanic imagery replete with archaic text. And then the children of Baphomet weighed in. On a scale of 1 to 10. Is this your favorite or most favorite October surprise in the history of electoral politics? For me personally, I think it ranks pretty high up there, but, you know, love to hear your thoughts. A lot of people have been put in jeopardy by the uh, president's behavior, and now we've learned, of course, this morning that one of those people is the president himself. But he just couldn't get over the fact that, in his mind, the mask equals weakness equals I'm not on top of this virus. So perhaps a bit of a shock this morning for Americans, but not necessarily a surprise. It is also the most vivid possible demonstration of the incompetence and the irresponsibility of the administration. In large part, uh, it's his own dereliction is um, partly to blame for this. He chose to go out to rallies. Imagine, he just announced he was infected. He just got Walter Reed. He deserved it. The president of the United States is the, in the most secure bubble in the world in the sense that everybody who comes in contact with him has to take a test and he still got it. 
So wear the damn mask and follow the science. Oh my goodness. That's the key takeaway. They continue to put others at risk, not only by setting bad examples, not only by failing in the pandemic response, but now quite literally as carriers of the virus. Filmmaker Michael Moore sent out thoughts and prayers for COVID, while the LA Times likened President Trump's predicament to the Reagan assassination, with the exception that Ronald Reagan didn't ignore his assassins. The Washington Post fantasized about a world post-Trump, and a faux celebrity openly hopes Trump dies. And just when you thought the leftist anti-America madness couldn't get any stranger. And I also think that you have to be, you know, much more serious about the Russian threat given today's news. If President Trump can't be out there on the campaign trail for the next two weeks, then he is going to rely on his surrogates. And unfortunately, one of his surrogates is Vladimir Putin. You are second yes. in line for the presidency. Has the White House contacted you about the continuity of government? No, they haven't. But I, that is an ongoing, not with the White House, but with the, uh, the military, quite frankly, in terms of the uh, uh, or the some officials in the government. That's the globalist problem is there's all these professional classes and all these smart people that are out there that actually have studied things and they know what they're saying and they're going, hey, uh, this, this, is, this is manufactured. And they're like, shut up, shut up, your funding's cut. And they're like, whoa, uh, well, the university says I'm fired if I don't withdraw my paper and say it's wrong, but I'm not gonna withdraw my paper and say it's wrong. I'll just withdraw my paper. And then three more universities come out and say, yeah, not only is this artificial, it's been weaponized. And that's really the big story, is that it's mutating, and it's a perfect cover for an off-the-shelf bioweapon that you can go and tweak parts of it and then release no, it on a certain on group as race-specific or even March on an individual, and then it mutates and becomes harmless right after it has a very quick half-life. Think about that. They're not talking about quarantining Trump, removing him from power. They could release a designer bioweapon on the president and say that coronavirus did it. While support from foreign leaders, including Kim Jong-un, if he is still alive, continue to pour in. But it's never been more obvious. Anyone actually rooting for our president to die, truly, needs to get on the next slow boat to China. America doesn't need you. John Bound reporting. <laughs> Can you hear me? What do you think, John? Barely. Barely. You sound kind of muffled there, Doug. I do? You do. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, I'm being forced to wear this now. Uh, by by uh, Wolf. Or I guess I... It, I have to work. Hey, hey. <laughs> the CO2 got you, huh? Didn't have to take it out on the microphone. You're muted. You're muted there, Doug. Sorry about that. I, I, I just collapsed <laughs> okay. because I lost consciousness and I hit the mute button too. Um, no, it, it's, uh, so a couple of things with that. I, I wanted your take on, I mean, obviously, um, the, the, the you know, we, we are fighting a spiritual battle here, John, you know, that, and even you've talked about that, um, the spiritual battle, good versus evil. 
But that what I caught when I said note the date there, that one segment of, of the weaponization of, of this virus, that was done in March of 2020. Um, right. I, you know, I don't know. It, well, we knew, we knew the doctors, the scientists I worked with, we knew by March that it was a weaponized virus. We knew that in March. And Alex Jones wasn't the only one. No, it's uh, true. So that, yeah, right. We, we know, we've known it's, it's been weaponized for quite a while. Right. Um, so, I mean, to me, when I watched that, there was so much in that uh, four-minute uh, video from the satanic element. And I don't know how many people saw the book underneath her microphone, um, the, the book of erotic. Um, th that's number three, by the way, the, some of the pictures. Um, and I think if one more time, if you, if you'll indulge me on this too, if you saw this, this, this is number three on the, on the program notes here. Um, if you open that up, Eric, the tech, I want to take a look at Hillary Clinton does a podcast and she was videoed where the microphone was on top of several books in order to raise the the microphone, or I think it was a microphone. And one of the books was a sexually, demonic, sexually explicit book of satanic, listen to this, glass porn, pornographic. I can't even say this because it just blows my mind. Um, sculpt. Okay. Eric, the text trying to get this. But um, a book of glass-blown, demonic um, sculptures. Well, sculpture, uh-huh. You know, right. but to see this, the, the fact that she, and, and look, I've got books in my library that, yeah, I, you know, have been sent to me that might be, well, I know are of the enemy or you know, written by the enemy, and I, I use those for research purposes. But ah, this is just beyond anything I've ever seen. There's the book right there on the on the video. It's I can't read the the author. And I don't think I can pronounce the name anyway. But some of the images within this book are just satanically pornographic. I can't even describe it beyond that. And and you know, of course, the um, uh, and, and there they are. I mean, look at those images, folks. This is in these images in this book. Um, the Rolling Stone magazine came into my office. I, okay, it was not the microphone, but the the whatever the assembly is the, the computer there. But the arrows pointing to that that specific book containing these images. Right. Rolling Stone right. magazine came in here and said, you know, to me essentially, you're an idiot because uh, there's nothing to Pizzagate. There's nothing to spirit cooking there's nothing to any of these any of this um exhibit a john i mean anyway so that was part of this video and amongst other things but i just want to get your take on everything so well my, my friend dr bill deagle uh, he says that uh, hillary comes from a centuries-old line of warlocks and witches out of europe that, that's her heritage it goes back for centuries uh, that's what Dr. Bill Deagle says publicly. Mm. And given everything we know about Hillary, that's that really fits. There's nothing inconsistent with her who she is and her behavior. 
with being a witch. In fact, the, the day after the election in 2016, I, I had my engineer play Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead from the Wizard of Oz. You know, I've, I, I remember getting uh, emails about your show. Uh, people loved that, by the way. Yeah, you were mm-hmm. you, you were you actually caused some ripples everywhere. I wasn't that, aware it went that very far. Uh, I was at the time uh, the uh, full time caregiver for my wife who was dying from cancer, but I had to do that. It seemed like the right thing to do. Yeah, because the reaction um, by the left was so again so visceral back in 2016 that you know you playing that just fed into that 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 reaction and. Uh, People were really hacked off, man. I mean, they were. Oh, PO'd. really? Then I, oh. You, well, good. You the know, left. you're over the target when you're getting flack. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, good for good for John Moore. You know, how could they do that? And and if I remember correctly, and this is, you know, look, I, I can't remember yesterday sometimes, but um, uh, if I remember correctly, I think some Christians might have so-called Christian, self-identified Christian conservatives had some issues with. Well, how could you know? How could uh, John play that? How could it was it was a big deal at the time? I'm telling you, folks. My response would be my response would be get a life. Really? Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like it's kind of like old Fitzgerald over there in in in, uh, you know San Fran and Nevada and stuff like that. It's just (laughs) he's crazy. Get a life. Some people take themselves too seriously, Doug. They really do. I know. I know. That's one of the things about our our opposition, the Antifa Black Lives Matter. They have no sense of humor. They really don't. They have no sense of humor. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, you're, you're One of the right. things we find out in combat, Doug, the guy who doesn't have a sense of humor in combat, he's going to get himself hurting everybody around him. You got to have it. Having a sense of humor is what makes us human, and what uh, what helps make us normal. And I'm very leery of people with no sense of humor. I really am. Well, okay. I want to. I want to ask you this. Because, now, this is a personal question because my second book is is out or will be out here in momentarily. Momentarily, it's it's seriously. Um, okay. Okay. So, in that book, which is based on true events, and I remember this like it was yesterday. Um, there was a there was a situation where there was some gunplay, and I'll just leave it at that. When I was a PI, there was some, almost like you're living a, a uh, uh, bad Magnum PI series episode. But anyway, there was a little bit, not a lot, but a little gunplay. It wasn't, it wasn't very significant, but it was enough for me to almost wet my pants, okay? Um, where was I going with that? You, you were talking about, Oh, sense of humor. I had right. made uh, I had made a couple of comments during that time uh, to somebody with me uh, that were off colored, you know, off color remarks that were actually I thought was were kind of funny at the time because I was scared, you know, out of my wits. Um, right. You got you know you got a bullet flying, yeah, and that ain't cool. So you, you're a little bit, you know, and I made a, I made a joke or two during that time period. Uh, during when that was happening, and have you have you done that? Have you exercised your sense of humor during those you know moments of we'll say gunplay, whether it was um, in Nam or elsewhere? Usually, just after, not during. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, 
the men I've served with in Vietnam uh, and, in, and in the private sector both, we, we, all, we all try to maintain a sense of humor, the guys I worked with. And uh, when the bullets are flying, there's no time for humor. But immediately afterwards, sure. Uh, Winston Churchill said there's nothing more exciting than being shot at and not being hit. And I have to agree it's right up there among, among the top things that are pretty exciting, uh, which has happened to me many dozens of times in combat in the private sector here in the country also. Um, so uh, a sense of humor is what gets you through hard times. It, it helps you to deal with extreme adversity, extreme adversity, uh, whether it's short-term or long-term. So having a sense of humor is great. It helps you get through extreme adversity, short-term or long-term. helps you keep your sanity. It really does. And the, the, the jokes or the kidding may not may be corny, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, That's right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What matters is the humor and seeing the humor where nobody else sees humor. Yeah. And let me correct something. It wasn't in the midst or in the thick of things where, you know, concentration and such would be important. It was, it was pretty much a little bit before and a lot after where I made some jokes and, and it was, they were, they were kind of funny and, and certainly appropriate. Um, but, but you're right. The sense of humor, I think a lot of people have, have lost the ability. I think a lot of people have lost their, their sense of humor. I think a lot of people have, like you said, they take themselves too seriously and that's when, I don't know, it's dangerous to do, especially now. It is. It is. Well, uh, and the people, you know, conservative Christians generally have a sense of humor the ones I've known and associated with, uh, there always could be exceptions, of course. Uh, the, the, the people involved with Antifa and Black Lives Matter at the higher levels, they have no sense of humor. They take themselves way too seriously. Uh, they're full of hate. They're full of anger. They're full of animosity towards our country, our culture, our people, our economy. And they have no sense of humor, Doug. And that's why they're going to lose. Yeah, That's one of the reasons they're going to lose. They have no sense of humor, among many other reasons. Oh, man. Well, John, I'll tell you what. We've got about six minutes left of the program. I can't believe it went. this went very quickly, uh, this program today. And it's just, it was just, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, 20, 29 days, 28 days. Let's say four weeks from tomorrow, obviously, uh, is going to be the general election. And I don't know. We're, we're in such a, a, gr- a grave time. The country, the balance of well, the future of our countries. Hanging in the balance right now. It is hanging in the balance. So it you, is. You, you, but talk whatever you want for the, the remaining. Uh, well, I, we, we need to pray for the president and his wife, and the president's family, that there will be a rapid recovery. They'll be back on the campaign trail. That they'll be at the next um, uh, debate, um, and the debate will not be a debacle. Uh, all these things need to be prayed for. I believe the president will make a rapid recovery. That he'll be back on the campaign trail. In a week or less, that's my belief. Uh, I think whatever symptoms are relatively mild uh, and that uh, he'll bounce back and, and be stronger than ever. And he'll use this as he does most adversity. He'll use this adversity to his advantage. Of course he will. Of course. And he'll be accused of doing that. Well, it'd be true. So what? Yeah. <laughs> 
who you know if he's, this, among other yeah. things you know he's a politician he of course he's going to use it to his advantage sure. I, I would expect nothing less he needs to do that yeah exactly yeah i i i be, look i believe within my heart of hearts that uh um I believe that he's what we need. This he's what this country needs. He's I, exactly what. No, no. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else could do what he's done. Stand up mm. to the media for these years, basically, you know, counting the the, the campaign five years, um, and throw it right back at him every time successfully. You know, every other politician has caved in to the assault of the media. He never. He hasn't done that. He's not going to do that. He just throws it right back at him. Uh, and very successfully. Uh, God bless Donald Trump. That's all I can say. Amen with that. Um, oh, uh, I, I got a report. Um, Sam, Sam Andrews, right? Mm-hmm. From uh, Sam. Yeah. S- Sam had uh, had a class this weekend. Uh, right. A, a good friend of the program, a good friend of mine, uh, had taken the, the course, the three day. I think well, it was three day course. Fantastic. Yeah, three day course. And he said, "My goodness, just the just the amount of information, just what you learn is just so important." So, um, Matt, uh, thank you very much for the report on that. And uh, yeah, he said that it was just it was he'd do it again in a heartbeat, and everyone should do it. Um, uh, and I think it's I think it's about time that we get you know we who are serious about fighting back, we uh, look up, look Sam up, and look his courses up, and and. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, the governor of the state of Missouri sent his private security team to Sam for training, and they could be they could send them any place they chose, and they sent them to Sam for training. We have active duty military training there, uh, active duty police training there, uh, and the instructors are world class at Sam Andrews uh, Freedom Center USA. The Facebook page is Freedom Center USA. Okay, Freedom Center USA on Facebook. And I would recommend at this point in time, in closing, that people that uh, have weapons at their house for self-defense purposes to, to get them out to be, uh, um, if they're hanging, if they're in your safe, get them out of your safe. Uh, make sure they're oiled up, clean, and ready to go. Make sure you're familiar with them because you don't want to get caught uh, flat-footed uh, uh, and, and something like, you know, something happens. So. That's well, a week existence. from today will be three weeks away from the election, Doug. A week from today. Wow, three weeks. Week from now, four weeks. Yep, a lot gonna happen. Yep. All right, all right, my friend. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Doug. I appreciate it's fun it. as always. Look forward to next Monday. I I, I do as well, folks. That was uh, John Moore, thelibertyman.com, and we're just about out of time. It's just amazing how time goes by when when we have John on and when he's on. Um, folks, if you haven't done so, please do me a favor. Ouch. Um, the next issue of Wisconsin Christian News is coming out here. You should have it. Uh, I think this week I have an article in there, as I do every issue. I want to thank Rob for allowing me to write for Wisconsin Christian News. Wisconsin Christian News is really, truly America's premier Christian newspaper. If you haven't done so already, go to wisconsinchristiannews.com. That's wisconsinchristiannews.com. And sign up to get a hard copy as well as the digital. But while you're at it, also uh, make sure that you donate a little bit because what he charges for the newspaper, the printing, and the delivery, it just barely covers that. So wisconsinchristiannews.com for this newspaper. 
All right, tomorrow, Standeo, and I've got a, I think I've got a couple of surprises for you this week. Uh, don't forget to sign up for the conference, Steve Quayle's conference as well, and the private briefings on Friday. Um, uh, let me just look here. There are a couple other things in closing I wanted to mention. Okay, oh, yes. Um, if you think Donald Trump, we had touched on this earlier, and I want to touch, the, uh, want to have this or talk with uh, John about this, but um, make sure, folks, I, I hope everyone understands that President Trump has appointed the second most number of federal judges than any other president. Okay, um, he's tied with Clinton in his fourth year. All right, or close to, uh, has actually gone over. Clinton's number. So he is doing things when we were talking about the federal judges earlier. All right, folks, have a great night. May God bless. See you tomorrow. Good night.